Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Argentina in dreamland, the country file threshold, the last dance for AI Alan Smith, is it better to go head to head or toe to toe? Did Argentinian TV play clips of Guy Mowbray at halftime? What footballer would Salt Bay actually be? Darts players as footballers, the incredible multi-sport talent of a seventh-tier goalkeeper, acceptable French cultural artefacts to include in a crude football chant, and the final For My Sins corner of 2022. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 218 of Football Clichés, the very final adjudication panel of the World Cup. First up, David Walker, how's it going? Yeah, very well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just coming down from the final, in fact. Um, so petrified am I of footballing recency bias. I feel like I can't get engaged with the debate about whether it was the greatest final of all time. But where do you stand? Do you care about that sort of thing? Um, I don't know. I think it probably is. But then I, I've, I do think if you are preparing to make that sort of statement, you should have sat down and watched all of the finals. Is it, is it even possible to do that? Can you watch the 90 minutes of the 1930 F, uh, World Cup final? No, you can watch some very um, unhelpfully edited highlights of the 1930 World Cup final in, in which they've uh, mislabeled some of the goals, according to one expert. So the whole thing's actually quite annoying. Um, alongside you on the adjudication panel is an equally enthused Nick Miller. Uh, how do you feel about the 2022 World Cup final in the pantheon of World Cup finals? Um, well, it was better than every other one that I've watched, which is only, right. you know, and I, uh, I, I have to say, I, I'm now slightly ashamed to say I've only watched the ones that I've been alive for. So, you know, mm. you, you'll get, if, if you say it's the, the best final ever, you're sure you get someone saying, well, actually the 1958 is, was, it was a real thriller, you know, I'm sure it was, but you know, come on, you weren't alive then, stop it. Yeah, fair play to anyone who's got the discipline to go back and watch old football matches for two hours. I can assure you it's absolutely shit and really slow and rubbish. Don't do it. Um, but it's time for the adjudication panel. Some World Cup loose ends for us to tie up. Let's start with the third and fourth place playoff. And a huge talking point after the game as uh, Chappers and Micah Richards um, debated the style of Josko Gvardiol's late surge 
into Moroccan territory. Should we, should we look at Vardyol barnstorming through the... Uh... Oh, that's more marauding, I would say. Mar marauding, OK. <laughs> right. You say marauding, I say barnstorming. This is the sort of coverage I want on the BBC, Dave. Right Excellent. up my street. Excellent. Perhaps Chappers had actually been listening to this podcast. Yeah. Wouldn't put it past him. Hope so. Um, is, there a, is there a material difference between barnstorming runs and marauding runs, Nick? It's tricky, isn't it? I think this is one that you have to... You can't really... I'm not sure you can apply criteria to this one. I think you just have to go with your gut. My my gut said marauding for this one, so I was with I was with Mika Richards, but mm. I don't know. Can you? Are there any sort of parameters we can put on this? Uh, my instincts say that barnstorming you have to have the ball at all times, um, whereas a marauding run um, can be a mixture of both. But it is, but it is characterised by you invading space, mm. getting I... yourself upfield, marauding. You don't really yeah. have to have the ball in the process. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever heard barnstorming used to describe a a run before. Mm. To be honest, it's more of a it's more of a sort of a word that might be used to describe like a particularly, you know, like a barnstorming debut of a novel or something. You know, like, or like a or or an album or something. It's kind of used in those terms. I don't think I've really heard it in in football language terms before. But I would definitely go with marauding. You can use it for a whole game. It could be like a barnstorming FA yeah. Cup tie. Yeah, or a yeah. barnstormer um, as a noun. But um, uh, no, no, barnstorming runs definitely exist, as do swashbuckling and buccaneering, but they all mean slightly different things. So I can understand why there might have been a little bit of debate there. Um, but they're only... Can you have anyone, anyone other than a defender making a forward run being marauding or barnstorming? It feels, you know, they're both very much yeah, central defenders specific, getting in on the act site situations. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking very much Sol Campbell against Colombia in 1998. An mm. underappreciated, almost brilliant goal that was mm. like one tackle away from being the best goal in World Cup history. No one ever talks about it. That was barnstorming too. Other points of debate on the BBC coverage. Let's go to the World Cup final, in fact. And... Um, this is just after Argentina made it 2-0 on 37 minutes. A complete team goal for Argentina. One they thoroughly deserve. And they're in dreamland. Dave, do you, I mean, do you think we should allow some sort of World Cup caveat for dreamland? Because I feel all considered this was dreamland for Argentina, wasn't it? I think so. What, was he, what did you say? 37 minutes, was it? Yeah. 2-0 up. In a World Cup final, and and they deserved it. The game was all them going their way. I think so. I think you're you're. Were they unfancied have, enough have, for it to be Dreamland? Well, no, they definitely weren't unfancied. But such was the talk and the hyperbole around Messi and it being the culmination of a career, and just the, obviously the gravitas of the World Cup final. I think. I think it does count. Can you have one foot in Dreamland? No, no, you definitely <laughs> cannot. But I suppose, Nick, I mean, no one in their wildest dreams would have imagined that Argentina would have been 2-0 up just after the half an hour. So maybe that is sort of Dreamland territory. It's not about your status. It's about your expectation. No, I mean, the, the, the teams were kind of well matched enough at the start for, for, for Dreamland to, to be kind of plausible. But I don't know. Is it, 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 it's quite a time-specific thing, isn't it? I don't, I don't think you could be... If they went 2-0 up in like the 80th minute or something like that, could that could that be Dreamland? I don't know. It feels a no. bit late in the day for Dreamland. No, but. 
as we've discussed before on this podcast, Dreamland is fundamentally, I mean, before you get into any of the other variables, it's fundamentally defined by going 2-0 up early on. Mm. It's not about it's not about sort of extending your lead late and making the game look safe. It's all about getting yourself onto a ridiculously good platform early on against a opponent who would otherwise have been quite fancied against you. So that's Dreamland. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, given the extra context, I think Argentina are allowed Dreamland there. Um, this was great. There's a um, half time of extra time. <laughs> the BBC doing their solemn duty for the nation, Dave. Up popped, as we saw a clip of uh, the French players huddled together um, discussing what they've got left in the tank. Little caption popped up. Country file tonight, 6.10pm, <laughs> BBC2. <laughs> Counter-programming, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, but it wasn't delayed, was it, because of the extra time or anything? Yeah, it was, was, I think it, it was supposed to be on BBC One, but they, right. they moved it to BBC Two. Um, but Which begs, begs the question, do you think that there's anyone that switched over? How powerful was this World Cup? Could it retain the interest of the otherwise normally watching country file audience? Or it's the hardcore, they're just going to watch Country File, come what may, wherever it is, whatever Are channel. you ruling out the people who were watching in the assumption that Country File would just come on at, in, at its normal time on BBC One and then were actually annoyed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, some people, Some people are very set in their ways. Mm. Also, what, what would be the kind of the, the calibre of, um, of, show, of scheduled show that would necessitate the football changing channels rather than... <laughs> so, like... I don't know if, if if it was like the it would have to be the, the breaking the, news of a death of a royal or yeah or, or, or but, but no uh, uh, that I think that that's that's one thing but a, like a scheduled program that isn't that like it would have to be like Martin Bashir interviews Diana or something like, uh, 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 on on that kind of level. Do you think that do you think there is even that? <laughs> that would be dreadful scheduling. I'll be honest. With oh you. yeah yeah sure sure yeah. no absolutely it'll be I, you know I, someone needs to be fired. But is there anything that would that would do that, do you think? What about, um, what about if there was a clash? This might have happened before, I don't know, but if a clash with Wimbledon or something, the BBC might, they might, like, go for the prestige of the All England oh, I Club. think they would bump Wimbledon, honestly. Wimbledon, because yeah. Wimbledon sort of, it quite kind of belongs on BBC Two anyway. BBC Two yeah. is very tennis. Um, but on a similar note, Nick, Chris Lambert writes in, says, Country File getting moved to BBC Two didn't get a mention on the commentary. It got limited to just the caption. Is it a case of the game being too big or the show too small? He says, <laughs> I feel Frozen Planet would be worthy of Guy Mrobri mentioning it. <laughs> so, you know, on the two variables. Attenborough. Yeah. Yeah. If it was like, if it was like the first showing of Frozen Planet, like at the much hyped first episode mm. of a new series, that might get it. Maybe like a feature film premiere. I think News at 10, probably, or whenever it is. Yeah. Is it still there? Yeah. Because that's become part of the kind of jovial tradition as well. Yeah. So the news would definitely get a mention. So that's 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 given. Did he, did not get a mention? I've got a feeling it got, got a mention in the studio. That like at halftime, halftime, uh-huh. that Lineker said, "Oh, you know, if you if you want to you want to switch over to Country File, it's on BBC Two now." And that feels less you know. tense though to do it in the studio because they, they yeah they can treat it sort of like heartily. Yeah. But for a commentator to get into it, that's the real benchmark mm. for me. Mm. Yeah. How about One Last Dance with AI Alan Smith? Some cliches listeners getting a little bit tired of this, and I can understand why. Um, it is a disappointing lack of variation in the script he was given. Um, 
but you might well enjoy this this one last twist. Here is AI Alan Smith commentating on Lionel Messi's goal that Argentina thought had won them the World Cup in extra time. Messi gets the ball. Goal. He shoots. It's a goal. Now, we're all accustomed to this style, Dave. Um, no particular extra dr- drama there for AI Alan Smith. He, you know, he, he stuck to his guns, as he always did. Relentlessly consistent. Yes. Presumably, he was sort of tuned in to the goal line technology as well. Absolutely yeah. certain that it was over the line. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even wait for the watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's just hear that one more time. Just have it in our heads. Messi gets the ball. Goal. He shoots. It's a goal. Now, via listener Amir Hakimi over in Malaysia, who was listening to, who was watching on Astro Sports, um, using the commentary world feed. Here's the human Alan Smith on Lionel Messi's goal in extra time that everyone thought had won Argentina the World Cup. No, no offside there. Was it here? No, no. It's a goal. That was that was so good. It, it it feels like he was. It feels like a deliberate nod. It feels like it was a. He's, he's very much in on this. Um, just couldn't, delighted couldn't, to know it's very faithful to it. Couldn't quite go the whole hog though and do the uh, go all go all. <laughs> no, but it's as close as uh, I'd want it to get. And uh, so yeah, delighted that the, the two have finally married up. And that that singularity, isn't it, Nick? When you can't when you can't decide which is which, that's when you know they've really nailed it. There you go, the Turing test has uh, failed. The world is over. Right. Um, Stephen Woodman writes in, says, at the end of extra time in the World Cup final, just before the penalty shootout, Rio Ferdinand was mulling over the clash of the two titans, Messi versus Mbappe. The real moments of quality have been them two players. Yeah. Mbappe had another kick. And do you know what it is? Is you, you, This type of final, you want to see the two best players go out head-to-head. And they've just gone toe-to-toe. Now, Dave, I put it to you that there is a fundamental difference between going head-to-head and toe-to-toe. Okay, go on. What do you well, think it is? Head-to-head is very much a kind of um, a preview-y thing. It's, it's an anticipatory thing. Head-to-head is simply two players existing in the same place at the same time on opposing teams and playing against each other. Going toe-to-toe is, a kind, of a, is kind of a reflection of what's actually happening. It isn't, you don't go toe-to-toe by default. You go head-to-head, but that doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean you will go toe-to-toe. Going toe-to-toe means you actually have to engage with each other in a competitive sense. And they did go toe-to-toe because they scored five goals between them. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah, this, this may be levels of pedantry that are even too far for, for, for this, but it, is it possible to go toe-to-toe if they don't act, like physically face each other? So like a, 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 the two forwards, they don't like, they're, not really in, they're, they're never really in the same kind of area of the pitch. But if it was a a striker and a central defender, then could that feels more toe to toe? But but that be but hammer and tongs. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, sort I, of with you, Nick. I'm sort of with you. Yeah. So I feel like feel like the you know these sorts of um, references obviously get used in football and other sports mm-hmm. a lot, but they're most they're most applicable to say boxing or tennis or anything where it is a genuine one on one battle. Um, and it we we know what he what Rio means, and it's correct in that sense. But yes, Messi and Mbappe, nothing that they did to each other affected each other. 
they're right. opposite ends of the pitch. They don't dribble past one another. They don't tackle each other unless maybe they did come close. Two consecutive know, but... penalties in the shootout, though. Yeah, I suppose that's probably that's the closest. That's toe Yeah, yeah, that is. They would have passed each other on on the way. Yeah, maybe. And they did. They did. They did look. There was a few shots as well, wasn't there, for the kickoffs, mm. the restarts, where they were kind of eyeing each other up after the, each of each of them had scored and stuff. So I suppose they are probably aware of each other's presence in that sense. Maybe, maybe it's more of a kind of emotional toe-to-toeing because the, if the things that Messi did will have affected what Mbappe did psychologically, even if there wasn't like physical proximity. Mm. To, to look at it literally, yeah. Um, could, wouldn't you, if you're going toe-to-toe, by definition, you would also be head-to-head at the same time. Yeah, you could be. Because yeah. if, if your toes are that close, your heads must be, unless you're leaning back, leaning back in a weird <laughs> way. Well, unless you're doing that dance where you, you are face, but then you have to turn your head suddenly. Um, well, like, a ta- 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 like, like a tango, tango isn't it? The Argentinian yeah, yeah. dance, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you are. Toe to toe, but not necessarily head to head. Who knows? Face to face. We didn't do face to face either. Uh, who knows? Um, Simon King writes in, Nick says, is English commentary made fun of on foreign TV as often as we use South American commentary to amuse ourselves during our coverage? Um, it, it, it's, it's it's like an easy win for broadcasters, isn't it? Because obviously we we're so set in our commentary ways over here. We're still actually really kind of enamoured by the othering of foreign commentary, aren't we? Yeah, I I, I kind of instinctively wondered whether it, it is making fun of, but it it is, isn't it? It's it's a it is I a kind know. of it's fairly it, affectionate. It's, it's, it's definitely it's, it's in an affectionate way, but like it, it, even when like last night. They 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 would play the Argentinian commentary in a kind of Pablo. Well, this will make you feel at home, won't it? Kind yeah. of, um, which is yeah, it does. It, I suppose I, it's I suppose it's well intentioned, but it, it is taking the piss a bit, isn't it? Well, I don't know actually, because I I think the fundamental difference between let's say you know British style and say South American or even Asian, other parts of the world like that, like there the, the passion and the energy levels and the style is completely different because it, we're, we're playing it almost as a, we, we, we had a clip of an Argentine, Argentinian commentator on the athletic football podcast today. And it gives you that sense of emotion. The bloke's screaming. He sounds like he's crying. Like, and for as good a commentator as Guy Mowbray or Sam Matterface are, then, it's just not the same. Like if, if the tables were, were turned, like I don't think I don't think an Argentinian football podcast would put Guy Mowbray at the start because it just doesn't sound. It's not unusual in the same way. I don't think you, you, you don't think that an Argentinian TV broadcaster would um, sort of lightheartedly go over to Guy Mowbray's commentary for a goal. <laughs> I, I don't think so, but uh, no, I agree otherwise. with you. I agree with you. <laughs> but if it did happen, <laughs> it might sound like this. Esto es de la emisora de la BBC en el Reino Unido. El comentarista es Guy Mowbray. Messi turns it out to Alvarez, who gets it through, and that's McAllister looking at Di Maria. Really struggling to to decide whether that was worth the stress and the effort putting that together beforehand. <laughs> there was but it nice... scratched that curious itch, hasn't it, Dave? We now know what it yeah. would sound like. And it, it, yeah, it does sound, it doesn't sound as good for them 
we're not Argentinian, so we can't hear it like they no, hear it. But um, no. there was a nice little warble in Mowbray's, Mowbray's voice for that for that goal. Actually, I did quite like it. It was almost as if 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 he had if he if he could have extended it a little bit more, that would have been nice. Hmm. Would would they go? Do you think they'd be more likely to go for a jury um, alliteration thing? Because even if you can't, you, even if the, the the actual language is unfamiliar, you can still. You, you can still react to the the pattern of, of Drury's, you know, big pause, mm. you know, it's more it's messy more mayhem or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. would be our representative in this scenario, mm. wouldn't he? A bit like yeah. Eurovision, when you wonder who's yeah. going to be the one who gives out the UK results to the rest of Europe. Yeah, that would be Drury in this scenario, wouldn't it? L Drury. <laughs> mm. Strangely, the only the only um, the only English commentator I can think of that has has kind of expressed emotion in that kind of nakedly in a, a commentary was was Jermaine Genus in the when Tottenham beat Ajax in that Champions League semi final uh, mm. a few years ago, he couldn't speak because he was he burst into tears. All right, <laughs> which is kind of a slightly unexpected candidate uh, for that. But I wonder if that that would be a a, a suggestion for a. Another broadcaster to to so, go to the so this, partiality this is very much key here. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah. I, I think it's. I think there is a cultural thing where we are, rightly or wrongly, we're just more reserved. We 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 sort of we sort of think that we need to pay respect to the professionalism of the environment. Whereas I've been in press boxes at World Cups before, at the England Columbia game, for example, in. 2018, and the Colombian commentators and journalists were going nuts when they equalised mm. in the in the in the last minute. And not just to say that English <laughs> English commentators don't show their emotions, but they 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 keep a lid on it to an extent. Whereas it seems to be in 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 some other nations that they just don't care about that and they just go for it. And I think that's why we like it. Yeah, I agree. Um, not that uh, our pundits don't demonstrate the moment where things get a little bit too much because uh, Nick James Cage writes in with what he has deemed to be the kind of the moment that pundits become lost for words. He says he's noticed a new studio tendency, Alan Shearer especially, a, a trailing ellipsis of wonder, he says. Um, for example, to be that clinical under that much pressure, to see that pass with all that going on, it starts off incredulous but fails to achieve grammatical closure, a pundit <laughs> tense that needs a name. But it's true, it kind of does sort of work. It sort of leaves everybody wondering, sort of leaves everyone to finish it off. So, you know, to do that under that much pressure, and that's it. Yeah, it's, it is it is a kind of saying I'm lost for words with, uh, about this without actually saying I'm lost for words. Yeah. Um, leave, leaves you to kind of fill in the blanks, I suppose. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. 
dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right then, welcome back to the Football Clichés podcast and the final adjudication panel of the World Cup. Now, we've skirted around it so far in our talk about the World Cup final, but I feel like we should have a moment of earnest football sincerity and talk about the main man. And that's Salt Bay. Front and centre. Um... He's such an annoying little man, Nick. I don't really understand why why he's become. Well, I do understand why he's become this big thing because it's a sort of social media, whatever. But I know I know someone who lived in Istanbul when this guy just just had a he just had a sort of semi decent steakhouse in <laughs> Istanbul, and now he's this kind of weirdo who shows up at major sporting events and is bafflingly let in to you know go on the pitch or. And yeah. and it's, it is responsible for um, one of the, the the most sort of I don't know tragic slash funny photos of all time with him with him gurning next to Mo Salah after the yeah. twenty eighteen Champions League final. Salah shirtless or with a tracksuit top on over uh, uh, over that and uh, with his arm in a sling. Him having just been wrestled out of the Champions League final, his team have lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, his World Cup is in, in serious doubt, and there's this. Goon in weird sunglasses next to him, muggy, <laughs> and he's he, he's back. I mean, it, the, 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 I'm sure everyone who's on social media will have seen the little clip of him desperately pouring, pestering at, Messi, pouring it, yeah, me, uh, like, and, and and it was a real kind of uh, hang on, what? Just turn around, I, tugging I need his my, arm, yeah, tugging his arm, like I need my picture. What what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? Celebrating this? The look pinnacle? from Messi. Yeah, withering genuinely was quite reassuring amongst the whole thing. Um, but it it did make me think, Dave. There is something of ex footballer about Salt Bay. <laughs> like maybe he sneaks into these events just because he just looks like he might have played <laughs> at a World Cup in the past. Nuzret Gurkcha. I I mean I, I in a, in a bit of SEO madness, I looked up how tall he is just to get an idea of what sort of player he might be. He's five foot six. So I'm thinking kind of Watford left back. It's funny, yeah. I, I see what you mean because, especially in these tournaments, you do because because the world's media descends upon them, and you you get you get former players from all over the world, unexpected people you wouldn't 
sometimes you don't even recognize them. You don't know who they are. I remember being in a lift in Russia when um, Juan Pablo Sorin walked in. Used to Argentinian. Is yeah, he Argentinian? Yeah. Played yeah. yeah. for Portsmouth for a bit. Long hair. Yeah. And like, I knew he was a player. I can tell that he was a player. He oozed former player, but I had someone who was next to me sort of pointing it out. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's when Pablo Sarin. And you could, he, I could see him striding into a lift with, a, with accreditation on and somebody going, oh, that bloke used to play for Turkey in the mm. 2002 World Cup. You, would, yeah. you could plausibly believe him. Yeah, there's something of a kind of cult left Premier League left back about him, Nick. Like sort of popular with the fans um, for his kind of all action manner. Yeah, but but it, it, he's he's he only had a sort of brief in my head. He only had a brief spell at mm. one of those uh, as as Dave suggested there. Played for Portsmouth at some point. <laughs> yes, uh, but like for half a season on loan from somewhere. As he was like he was trying to he, he was keeping up his fitness ahead of a World Cup or something. Yeah, showed up at Portsmouth for half a season and then and then left again. If he had a violent side, Dave, we could we could issue him his nickname, the Butcher of Anatolia. <laughs> um, the best thing about him is if you Google Nusret Gurkcha, you know on Google if you Google a famous person, there's a just sort of three word description underneath just to explain who they are, mm. and it just says Turkish butcher. <laughs> which I reckon really annoys him because I think he must yeah. have feel like he's transcended that now but yeah it's Kaiser Soze isn't it there's two <laughs> described as a Turkish butcher anyway. oh right yeah. there you go well while we're on the subject of people milling around annoying the players I was really struck by old um, by Emmanuel Macron he just he just would not leave it like Mbappe was on his knees gutted and he was just, he was sort of doing the same thing that Salt Bay was doing. I mean, look, granted, he's the president of France, so maybe he's got a little bit more right to be there. But just leave them alone, mate. You just wouldn't leave them alone. Do you reckon the little box on his accreditation was ticks that let him, that lets him go on the pitch? Or is he just sort of concourses only? Well, he was, wasn't he part of the, wasn't he part of the, like, yeah. trophy ceremony? He so was, yeah. Probably... Oh, oh yeah, yeah there. That's, that's a get out clause. You go but where that, you want, Emmanuel. The... Yeah, the, like? the, the the video of him. I mean, I, I don't speak French, so I don't know what he oh, actually yeah. said. But the video of him giving the the team a sort of rousing commiseration speech, or whatever it was, in uh, in the dressing room afterwards, just not fuck your off. job. That's not a, your job. The last thing they want is someone kind of mithering them as they just want to presumably leave the stadium as quickly as possible and go home. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh well. Um. Further afield, though, Sean Kelly writes in and says, please do a similar thing for the darts players that you did for the Wimbledon last 16. Well, I'm very happy to oblige, Sean Kelly. Um, Dave and Nick, I'm going to issue you with some random names from the um, from the list of seeded players in the PDC World Championship. And you've got to simply tell me what their parallel football career would be. Um, uh, seeded ninth, Nick, Danny Noppert of the Netherlands. Um, uh, Brighton midfielder. Um, sort of signed, signed in the kind of last year of Chris Hutton, and he's not. He's, he's he's he had quite a good first season, and he but he's then he's sort of still around mm. there. He, he's not really. He's in and out of the team. He's not. You, you kind of think, well, what happened to that guy? Oh no, he's still there. He's still at Brighton. That's amazing. <laughs> I thought he'd left for like you know Feyenoord or something like that a couple of years mm. ago. So yeah, there you go. Danny Nopper, it sounds a bit like sort of controversial, briefly controversial VAR official to me, Dave. 
Um, of the two, I'm going with Nick's, actually. I fine. Was, I, I found that convincing, yeah. Absolutely fine. Right, uh, who do we get? Oh, number 17th seed, Jose de Souza. Jose de Souza, I should say, of Portugal. Dave, um, <laughs> it's a pretty easy one for us, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm saying that he was uh, an unheralded fallback in Jose Mourinho's all-conquering Porto team of 2004. Nice. And followed him. Did he follow him to Chelsea? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Sort of the one of the sort of more afterthought signings. So, yeah, <laughs> go on. We'll have him as well. Yeah, because he was he's good in the dressing room. Um, Nick, how about this 18th seed, the pole. Krzysztof Ratajski. Hmm, interesting. Um, I'm—I don't know. I'm not, nothing to back this up, but I'm—I'm I'm thinking that Birmingham team in the the kind of uh, maybe the Birmingham team that won the the won the League Cup that beat Arsenal in the the final, whenever that okay. was. Where does he play? Um, I think a sort of no nonsense central midfielder. Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah I, yeah, I sense physical presence about Krzysztof yeah. Ratajski. Definitely. I could see him playing for Coventry in the championship at the moment, actually, <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. Highly rated, though. Yeah. Catching yeah. the eye. Because he's, he's only 21, isn't he? Yeah. Um, the the central midfielder. And he's got an eye for goal, too, Ratajski. Yeah. Um, pops up with a, sort of the old 30-yarder on the Football League extra highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good. Like this one. Um, let's go with uh, the more popular names. Number three seed, Dave. Michael Van Gerwen. Doesn't really sound like a footballer, actually. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't sound particularly football-y because, I mean, other than obviously, big Virgil Van Dyke, I don't. There are there aren't many Vans, I don't think, in the in the current Dutch squad. Whereas obviously, he kind of used to be uh, a wash yeah. with them. Well, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Here we go. Um, yeah, Van Dyke. No other Vans. Um, a handful of Ders, but no Ders or Van Ders, obviously. Um, so yeah, not not vintage effort from the Dutch, but so yeah, Van Gogh, and maybe he's just too dancey. He's too dancey in our consciousness, Nick, he is. for him to be a footballery name. Can't really can't really place him as a footballer. Possibly, I think it, maybe maybe like a, a a Dutch midfielder who has who's never made it out of the Eredivisie. He's just kind of shuffled around between you know FC Utrecht and Twente, yeah. and again the, a serviceable midfielder, but nothing special. Who then maybe pops up later on as quite a highly rated coach. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Retired at 28. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was assistant to... He's been assistant to various people and is kind of, you know, mooted for top jobs, but never never actually gets them. Always, right. in, always in the background. A couple more then. Uh, let's try another Dutchman then, Dave. Dirk van Doevenbode. Wow. Um, do the Dirk... Yeah, it's not footballer, is it? Dirk. Well, it's just obviously just you know only Dirk Dirk count. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm struggling to place him really. Give him an American first name, and then suddenly he becomes a plausible Dutch footballer. Sort of, I don't know, Randy Van Doevenbode, <laughs> and suddenly he becomes a highly rated sort of um, inside right. <laughs> Sorry, the 1950s. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking winger. I'm thinking kind of like f- slightly flighty, flashy winger who is good for. He's he's good for a couple of spectacular goals a season. Maybe gets a, a move to a sort of mid-level championship team. Mm. Maybe. 
Um, finally, then, uh, number six seed, Rob Cross, who, who is simply a member of the England pack um, playing darts with the England players. He's the chief football correspondent for the Sunday people. <laughs> it's, that's very good. Yeah, Rob, Rob Cross is not a... It's not a very footballery name. You could no. you could you Robbie Robbie Cross Robbie Cross Robbie Cross is not that Robbie gosh. Cross is a little bit sort of had a decent career in the Premier League in the mid nineties, but has now inexplicably turned up Nick uh, on North American TV as one of the <laughs> yeah. elite level pundits for Premier yeah, League. That that's good, but Rob Cross is more of a um, like a cricket name, I think. Oh he's a, yeah, yeah. He yeah. he's um he's a kind of county championship stalwart. Vague rumours of him getting an England call up at one point. Played for the A team uh, a couple of times, but has never really got any any further than that. People people say he's a kind of always praise him for being a, a stalwart of the county game. Yeah, plays no, for Northamptonshire or somewhere. Known as Rob Cross, but on the graphics and on the scorecards, it's Robert Cross. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Now, I haven't got the audio for this, unfortunately, but um, Chris Miller tweeted the other day that there's currently an advert on commercial radio, Dave, for a bookmaker that includes a football fan saying, whoa, that's got to be a 30-yarder. I don't think any football fan has ever uttered that sentence. Ask literally any football fan to cast an eye over your script. That's bad, isn't it? That's got to be a 30-yarder. I'm struggling to even kind of conceive of the... So is this... Someone's had a shot from a long way out and some... uh, Do you think it's gone in? I presume it must have done. Yeah, <sighs> must have done. Yeah, but because you could mm. say, "Oh, he's hit that from what? All of thirty? 30 That's got to be thirty yards." Uh, an unusual thing to say is your first instinctive reaction to a goal. That's for sure. Yeah, wouldn't but it's happen. also not. You wouldn't exclaim it in that that tone of voice if it was only thirty yards. And oh, it's, it's, it's baffling. It's, it's forty yards or, or further for that kind of tone of voice. Because yeah. if it's a bookmaker, this you know, this is not like. Uh, you know, crisp company or or whatever, like food brand, who's doing right. the sort of all the lads on the sofa watching the football and getting it wrong. Bookmakers, they they're in sport. They, most of the people that I've ever met who work for bookmakers are absolutely nuts about football. Like, how can they get this wrong? Yeah, it's very disappointing. I, I'm going to continue to hunt for the audio because it surely can't be as bad as advertised. But anyway, let's see. Um, now, uh, I adore this next um, thing I want to share with you. Uh, This is from Simon Bullock, who has alerted me to the news that Northern Premier League outfit Geisley have signed goalkeeper Cam Mason on loan from Southport, Nick. So far, so unspectacular. Not much to note yet. No, and Cam Mason is quite a uh, lowly goalkeeper name. It is, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm glad you think that, because let's see how this one unfolds. Uh, So I went to the the story on, on Geisley AFC's homepage. And um, it's reassured me that uh, Cam Mason has been on manager Paul Phillips's radar for some time. So again, adds a little bit of credence to the idea that he might be the sort of guy they need to between the sticks to, to tide them over. Now, their next bit of information. The 26-year-old from Groton near Oldham is a true all-round sportsman playing a number of different sports at a good level. Now, Nick, instinctively, what sports do you think they are? What's, uh, what's the classic sort of arrangement here? Cricket. Yeah, uh, cricket's one of them. Is there a racket sport? I'm not sure. Like maybe, maybe like a talented, like a, a a middle distance runner or something. Interesting. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Did a sort of cross country. Athletic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It also it does. Cam Mason sounds to me like he could have been drafted 
by the Carolina Panthers, third in the 2022 NFL draft. <laughs> That's a good American sport reference. You're definitely allowed to have that one. Okay, so yeah, Nick, you bang on with cricket. I mean, it's always going to be cricket when they mention that a footballer plays another sport. So you're right. Mason was wicketkeeper batsman for Saddleworth last season as they won the Division 2B title in the Greater Manchester Cricket League. Great stuff. Good start. And I would draw the line there as, as, as a kind of, he plays something else to a really high standard. Let's continue. He's one of the area's top crown green bowlers. <laughs> and is close to achieving a single-figure handicap at golf. What, what a trio of, what a quartet of sporting right. abilities this is already, Dave. Pretty, pretty good. So, football, cricket, crown green bowls and golf. And golf. Hang on, it, 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 I don't really, I don't know very limited amounts about golf, but it, it's a single figure hand. It, that's not that impressive, is it? I mean, it's quite. Oh no, it's well. pretty good. Is it good? Is it it's, good? It's right, it's okay. good. It's 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 not scratch, which is like professional standard, right? But it's still G- give, not give, to give be sniffed a, at. Give give me a, like a football player's level equivalent of a like a, a nine handicap. That's a good golf. question. I would say semi pro. Okay. But like a good non league. Don't go that far. A good yeah, because you can if you're if you're got, if you've got a single figure handicap, you can play, you can play top courses. You can you can have I'd a say good combined day. counties league. Yeah, well, it's a non league footballer, oh, okay. but like someone right. who can someone who can play. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. All right, um, but let's carry on. So he's already a, a goalkeeper, a wicketkeeper, batsman, a top crown cream bowler, and a single figure handicap at golf. He's also represented Dobcris Band Club at darts and snooker in their respective leagues. Who is this guy? And whilst at St Anne's School Lydgate, he represented them at running and also played rugby and lacrosse. Lacrosse? Wow. It's like, it's like one of the blokes from, you know, like, I don't know, WG Grace or something. These people <laughs> from the Victorian era who are just brilliant at everything. It's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Oh, I think I'll take up lacrosse. Nick, who is this guy? Cam Mason. Lacrosse. I mean, they say played for his school at lacrosse. Yeah, played what rugby at lacrosse. So, I, I and mean, school sounds poshish. Yeah, but even yeah. But, I don't know. I, 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 did either of your schools play lacrosse? Mind uh, you, lacrosse equipment, but we, it was really? never an established thing. No. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just hockey in the air. It's not it a unit. It's not a massive deal. <laughs> uh, we didn't have lacrosse goals, so I think I think that's what sets you apart. If you've got you've got, right. if you've got the the baskets and the ball, but yeah, yeah, they're easy, but the goals are a different thing entirely. I will continue. Whilst at Saddleworth School, Mason was a keen basketball player and had a spell at Manchester Magic before deciding to prioritise football. Fucking hell. The thing about this is, like, some of this... Uh, you, transferable you can... skills, is this what you're about to say? No, it's not. No, but you can verify some of, some of this. But once you start getting into the, oh, I was really good at lacrosse at school... Who's he's? Is he just kind of you know? Is he? Is this like a bet to see how many different sports you can get them to mention in the in the the, the announcement? Is I he? Hope so. it, it, are we are we about to expose Cam Mason as a fraud? Here? Well, we haven't finished yet. I can assure oh, you, because uh, finally, during a spell in Australia, Dave, he added to his impressive sporting portfolio by playing mixed netball and handball. Unbelievable! How old is this bloke? 26. Christ, he's had a hell of a life. 
So he's a goalkeeper. Must have the most batsman. The most amazing hand-eye coordination on the planet. That's what it is, isn't it? That's what it's all about. That's that's the core of all of this. So he's a goalkeeper, wicketkeeper, batsman, top crown cream bowler, golfer, darts player, snooker player, runner, rugby player, lacrosse player, basketball player, netballer, and handball player. How has this guy got time to do all this stuff? I've got, a, I've got a stack of Christmas presents over here that I've been meaning to wrap for about two mm. weeks and I haven't got around to it. So this, guy, this guy's got uh, apparently got the, the spare time to play every sport under the sun. It's incredible. incredible. Keep an eye on this guy. And cause... and yet, and yet, he's only a non-league goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I get the pull. I get the pull of football, right? You might want but to pick like, one there, Cam. Yeah. <laughs> go and be get the best. Good at it. Go be one of the best. Go be the the best crown green bowler in the world. Hmm. Do you know what I'd love to see him on, Nick? A question of sport. <laughs> what is away question? <laughs> Maybe this is a... F1. Yeah. <laughs> but he can't drive. I mean, he can't even uh, fucking drive. Either. That's what it'll be anyway. Um, let's get back to uh, more bread and butter business for the Football Clichés podcast. Dave, um, Rich Margotson pointed me in the direction of Leeds United's tweet about their friendly with Real Sociedad the other day. And they said Rasmus Christensen and Brendan Aronson returned from the World Cup to star in tonight's game. Rich Margotson says, can you preemptively star in a game? <laughs> it's true. Only, only if you were playing um, some sort of like exhibition charity match or something. So you're you're you are you're, starring by default. Yes, like okay. if if I've I saw Manchester United legends play Barcelona legends in the new Camp once, and Ronaldinho was playing. I think you could say that he was like the star attraction, but not yeah. just normal common. Run of the mill football. No, I, I, I won't abide the use of the verb star to star Nick pre-game. I'm not having it. What about if there are um, there are kind of an established famous player who's um, in the under twenty threes for a game? Is that is that still is that allowed? No, no, because it's, no. it's a step down, isn't it? It's uh... the implication is that they played well, yeah, as well as their status. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. You're completely right. Yeah, I agree. Um, Danny Corcoran tweets the commentator in the Liverpool Milan friendly described Salah scoring after five minutes as a dream start (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we should be using that phrase for a friendly also agree of course what's going on yeah can't can't argue with that especially when there's a World Cup going on that he's not at (laughs) that's his dream yeah absolutely right it's time for the very, very last For My Sins corner of 2022. And we're back with a bang. We're going out with a bang this year. But I want to tell you a little story first. This comes from Bert. He says, I just got back from a vet's appointment for my cat who's had some recent bowel issues. A Monday morning 8am appointment meant throwing on some clothes and heading out still bleary-eyed from the exertions of last night's final. As the vet carefully lifted up my cat's tail and moved in closer to inspect the problematic back passage. He stopped suddenly glanced at my tattered beanie hat and purred, ah, a Toffees fan for your sins. <laughs> what a moment for that to happen. <laughs> Love the use of purred there as well, Nick. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Classy stuff. Um, an appropriate time to unleash your foremost sins, Dave? Um, well, you know, you've got to lighten the mood somehow, haven't you? Keep Concentrate. It. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
I, um, I prefer him to be keeping his eye on the the, the task in hand rather yeah. than um, you know jibbing um, me about my cat. But caught off guard, Bert continues. Thoughts of the pod racing through my mind, and keen to avoid an early morning chat about our lack of goal threat this season. I could only muster in response, "Yeah, how's the bum looking?" <laughs> <laughs> One of those rare situations where a For My Sins just doesn't do its job. Like, it doesn't lubricate debate at all, does it? No. It gets in the way. No. Blockage. Um, with On that note, <laughs> I lead you both into the last For My Sins corner clash of 2022. And what better arena to host it in than Popmaster? Brilliant. Here we go. You know the rules. Shout out For My Sins when you think For My Sins is about to be uttered. Come on, I need this. From Tavistock in Devon, it's Ray Northey. Hello, Ray. Hello, Ken. How are you? you? I'm I'm well, thank you. Good. Thank you. I'm fine too. I'm glad we (laughs) we both asked at the same time, so now we know. (laughs) Lovely. Tell me what you do. Uh, I'm retired, man, actually. I retired in July. Um, I used to be a sales manager for a drainage company. Right. Um, Okay. um, Happily, Happily retired? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good. And what are you doing? What are you doing with all that time? Um, well, I've recently taken up a bit of tennis again. Uh, I've not played for quite a long time. Um, my sins. I still play ah. a bit of football and uh, badminton. Um, oh. Like, like, like to travel. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about the sport, though. You sound like quite an active person. Yeah, fairly. Yeah, I'm still still playing football for my sins. But oh. um, oh. yeah. oh. <laughs> stuck it in. Ah. Uh. It was a snuck in for my sins, Dave. I can totally understand why you went when you did. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing, really, mm. as he as what he eventually went on to do. But just yeah, yeah I, I wanted to get a shot away today. I just had to. I couldn't have yeah. another another yeah. blank. So many options there to choose from, Nick. It was so tantalising, and then it was a, a sucker punch. There was a there was a one moment where they, he said four, and there was a, just a minuscule pause mm. where I was almost jumped in, but yeah, no, I, not happy with that. Personally, I think if faced with this. You know, going into it blind, I think I would have gone with you know retired manager from a drainage company. Yeah, um, but maybe not. Anyway, um, the saga continues. Let's see if we can get you back in form for twenty twenty three, Dave. Um, a bit of cricket for you, Nick. Simon James tweets in and says during a post match interview after Australia's two day defeat of South Africa at the Gabba, Aussie paceman Scott Boland described the support of the crowd as like giving him an extra leg during his run up. <laughs> Does the panel find this variation on the twelfth man theme acceptable? I certainly don't. No, I don't. I think I wonder whether an extra leg in a, a fast bowler's run-up would even be a help. I think that would be that would be a hindrance, if anything. Mm. You get this is the the, the yeah. little skip before before delivering the ball. You've already got a bit of a job to coordinate two legs, but if you've got a third one thrown exactly. in there as well, it's like you. If you ask someone in a two-legged race to also try and chuck a ball down the down the square mm. it's not going to happen is it surely the, the, the go-to there would be in like an extra yard of pace on his his delivery or something like that rather than an extra leg mm, interesting yeah yeah Very I, strange. Just, I wanted to run it past sort of more cricket savvy people just to check it wasn't actually a thing um final one for you on today's adjudication panel um dave as a fervent watcher in the pub of england's fortunes i thought you might enjoy this particularly it's from paddy just a quick one, he says. Watching the England-France game in a large venue, a chant started of, you can shove your Eiffel Tower up your ass." Ooh. Um, perfectly good, no problem, he says. Um, it mm. was followed up 
with you can shove your Mona Lisa up your ass. I was concerned and thankfully, following there was a discussion afterwards about whether this was a viable target for the chant. Can you settle it? Painted by an Italian, housed in France, are we having it as a target for boozy ire? It's a good question. I think it's, it is sort of, you do associate it with Paris, I suppose. Hmm, they've sort of got possession of it, but it's Da Vinci. So, uh, so would the retort be, you can shove your Elgin marbles up your ass to, to an English person, maybe? Yeah, that would be equally grey area, wouldn't it? But it's such a weird thing to follow up with. Is, but I love the idea, Nick, that someone in that pub would be going, oh, what's the next most French thing that you know exists? And yeah. then go for Mona Lisa. In, in, if you employ a kind of family fortunes kind of logic here, that's not, that's not in the top five, is it? But you're also, what you're forgetting is they can't, you haven't got free choice here. It has to scan. Yeah. So it needs oh. to, Mona Lisa, Eiffel Tower. Arc de Triomphe scans. Yeah. Shove your Arc de Triomphe up your ass. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, it does. But Palace of Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> great, great stuff. Now, oh, I love things that come full circle, quite frankly. So here, for the very, very last time in 2022, is Keys and Grey Corner. Sunday. Right. People who've stuck with us throughout the World Cup may remember Keezy's very slimy introduction to star B in sports pundit Kakar. Let's hear it. Gary Neville is with us, John Terry, Andy Gray, and trade name Kaka. But to those of us who know him intimately, <laughs> Ricardo, Ricky. Not one I particularly enjoy to relive. But um, fast forward four or five weeks to World Cup final night. And here's Keezy again. We're going to call you Ricky, if you yes. don't mind. Perfect. And we're going to call you Ricky because that's really your name. But for us to be able to do that, we need to explain Kaka. Where did Kaka come from, Ricky? So, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> At least let him say hello first. <laughs> but there we are. There we are. The World Cup. Open and shut. It's, bit, it's very kind of... We're going to call you Ricky. It's like you feel like Keezy would have said that even if that wasn't his name. Mm. No, no, don't don't like Kaka. I'm going to call you Chris instead, and yeah. you're going to have to live with that. So, you know. Oh, um, Kaka survived five weeks with Richard Keys Day. That's an achievement, isn't it? That's probably better than the Ballon d'Or, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think they hung out much? I think Kaka was sort of going from a couple of brunches, meals. I reckon. Yeah. Couple of brunches. I don't know. You Get know, some notes drawn up together. You can see John Terry was the other member of that panel, and I could very much see him hanging out with Richard and Andy in, yeah. in some hotel in Doha. I'm not sure about Kaka. Mm. I think he would have been. I think you'd. I think you'd have been on the sort of VIP circuit in his downtime out there. It was in the Brazilian camp, probably just milling around, mm. like a, or or just Salt Bay, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um. Dave, thanks to you for one final effort for 2022. Thank you. Thanks to you, Nick. Uh, 49th cap for you, no less. Ooh. So, the big 5-0 next. Do I, do I get anything for that, or is it just, just the, the top? Not for 49, not for 49, okay. I'm afraid. But um, may the new year bring you your 50th cap. Thanks to everyone for listening this year. Um, we'll be back 
over Christmas with a double header best of of the year. Um, I'll try and limit the AI Alan Smith to the bare minimum. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back with the adjudication panel in the new year, and hopefully some uh, Mesa Holland Dick's guests if we can scrape some together. Cheers for listening. See you later. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.